You're listening to The Only Constant, a podcast about active hope. On this episode of the podcast, we spoke with returning guest, Marissa Arnone. Marissa is a registered dietitian and a certified personal trainer with a large social media following. She has a strong passion for helping people with nutrition and their health habits. In doing so, she pushes back against the idea that getting in shape or eating better should push people to their limits. While it's healthy to face a challenge, mental health and physical health go hand in hand. When one is off, so is the other. With so much misinformation about nutrition on social media, Marissa uses online communities to provide accurate info. Recently, she's dialed back her time online and is getting more involved with her local community by meeting people face-to-face more often. In doing so, she finds hope in connecting with people and helping others in any aspect she can, not just nutrition. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening. Hello, and for the first time ever, welcome back! Let's start with your name and your pronouns. Okay, let's do this again. My name is Marissa Arnone. My pronouns are she, her. Okay, and what do you love to do? We've already talked to you about this before, but let's do a rundown because some things have changed since the last time we spoke. Okay, so I still love weightlifting. I still love dancing. I love helping people. I do all the things all the time still. (laughs) Good. But still, like, so much is different. That's why I have such a hard time with the question, like, what's new? Like, Mm. if I see a friend after a couple months, I'm like, it could have been a week and everything's different. So I don't really know how to answer that question properly because it's always too much going on. (laughs) And everything's new all the time because (laughs) the only constant is change. So true. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for pointing out the elephant <laughs> in the room. Well, yeah, last t- since last time we spoke, you are now a registered dietitian. Correct. So we can start there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, last year, I was in the middle of my dietetic internship, and that ended in mid-April. Then I spent six weeks studying for the board exam full-time. I did nothing with my life in that period of time. And then I passed on the first try so i didn't have to take it again thank (sighs) god because i was so nervous that was the most nervous i've ever been in my entire life Mm -hmm. and i got the exact score i needed to pass so i was like that's like the exact the exact score it's a weird like sliding it's out of 50 but there's like 120 questions and it it's very complicated the way that this it's online and Hmm. the way the questions are structured is so unlike any other exam I've ever taken it like adjusts with you and if you get certain thing wrong they'll like retest you on that thing a couple times in a different way to like see if you really were wrong or if you just made a mistake and oh my gosh it was so complicated and I was so nervous the whole time like it yeah (laughs) I was in the testing room with one guy and He was like, are you nervous? Like, I'm taking it too. And I swear to you, he walked out like halfway. Like, there was no way he finished it in the allotted time because he was kind of sitting next to me. We had dividers, but I could still notice like when he got up, he just Mm. didn't come back. It's like, oh, maybe he got a rough one. (laughs) Uh, So that also made me nervous. Yeah. Who is that guy? (laughs) But the cool thing is you get the score right away. So there was no waiting like, oh my gosh, did I pass? I just knew. 
Well, what's it like now being registered? Like, is it like a different feeling? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was the end goal for me. This is all I wanted to do for the past five years. <laughs> Pretty much. If I want it to be done, I can be done. Of course, there's continuing education requirements every five years. So it's not like I'm done learning. Oh, interesting. Which it makes sense because the world of nutrition online, things are constantly changing. Researching Research is developing. Things that we once knew about nutrition decades ago is no longer valid because we've learned so much up until this point. So mm. it is important for dietitians like any healthcare professional to have that continuing education. Mm -hmm. So I'm never really done, but I love learning. That's another yeah. thing I love to do. You've so. always been very driven. I mean, you were always in like the extra smart classes. I feel like <laughs> in middle school In middle school. Yes. Well, like, uh, well, I was in whatever math was like before algebra. And I'm pretty sure you were already in algebra at that point. Probably. But yeah. I really, don't I never did IB so like I know a lot of people on the podcast talked about IB and like mm -hmm. that's the smart people group of high school <laughs> and I was in medical at yeah. Palm Harbor University high school which is so confusing for people that don't know <clears throat> Palm Harbor University is a high school but <laughs> there were like three groups and I was in medical medical to like become a CNA like that's the end goal, but I didn't end up doing that. I just went to early college, but I never really, I wasn't one to get straight A's. Mm. I like coasted at A's, B's. Mm -hmm. I never Oh, you focused coasted, on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I never really like cared about getting straight A's as long as I was doing a decent job and I knew I'd get into college. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I think I graduated college with like a, 3.3 or a 3.4, mm -hmm. which granted that was because my freshman year, my I did not really do a good job because I was like gone every weekend, was not using the weekends to do homework or study at all. Mm. Tisk, and so tisk. that that first year was probably the reason why I wasn't a little bit higher up there. Mm -hmm. But hey, it just goes to show you, you don't need to be a straight A student to get to your end goal. Who looks at that stuff? Nobody looks Nobody at that really, stuff after yeah. the fact. Do you have the degree? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't even look for GPA anymore, really. Mm -hmm. Unless right. you're like, I feel like if you're going into academics, that's the only time it yeah. matters. True. Yeah. I guess you yeah. wouldn't want someone teaching other people if they just like skated <laughs> by. <laughs> yeah, like I got A's in my nutrition classes. That's really yeah. all that's important to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. I understood the material clearly. Yeah. So. Well, so how was your time at UF? It was... Great. I spent three years there, not mm. four, because I did early college. I could have graduated in two years, but I did not feel like torturing myself mm. because I needed a lot of volunteer hours uh, for my major. It was really important like to look good for internships, similarly to if someone is applying to med school. Like I needed volunteer hours in community nutrition, food science, not food science, food service, uh, clinical research. So I spent a lot of time in research labs. And so I knew I couldn't realistically get all that done in two years and have like a good resume for my internships. Mm. So I lengthened the time I was there. And I'm really glad I did that. I wish I got the full college experience. I was there four years at this point. All my friends did it and it <laughs> seemed pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, for people that don't know what early college is, I went to a community college and did uh, classes, like 
full-on college classes full-time instead of going to high school. So I was able to graduate with my AA at the same time I graduated high school. Mm. Honestly, best decision of my life. Mm. Loved it. I nice. am so glad. I just hated high school. So. It's such a weird time. It's so <laughs> weird. It. Worst. Worst <laughs> ever. My self-esteem, trash. <laughs> it started to tick up a little bit once I got out of that environment. And I wasn't like comparing myself to every single girl that I yeah. crossed paths with and then yeah. just did my own thing. Mm. And I just loved the flexibility. I didn't have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning anymore because classes started a little bit later in the day. And I think just my mental health overall improved once I did that. Mm. You know? That's good. I kind of want to dive into that since you're part of the health community. When you started to do your own thing, you know, what did that, what did that look like? How did that start? I just got... I never was one to do what everybody else was doing. And this sounds like weird and like cliche or something. But I just, once I got to early college, I would do my classes, go home, do my homework, get my stuff done. I would go to dance classes during the week and then I would work all weekends. So I didn't really... You know, Caleb knows. You probably know too. I wasn't really around to hang out yeah. that much. <laughs> I would show up periodically and then I'd leave two hours later or I'd show up super late to a party and then just go home. Mm. Uh, because I just, I don't know. I loved working and I loved having my schedule full all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just put my head down and did my work, whether it was academic or actual work, like going in. I had, there were times where I was, involved in multiple jobs like I was a hostess I think we talked about this I was a mm. barista at a smoothie and acai bowl place at the same time so Friday to Monday was like what I dedicated to working mm. I wanted to have my own money I got sick of like asking my parents for money all the time yeah so I wanted to feel that sense of independence plus I could drive like once I like I was the type that got their driver's license like as soon as yeah. I could after permit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I failed my driver's license the first time oh, I took it. So it was gosh. it was not right after. It was like the next day <laughs> after. Um, and I just I don't know. I I was very independent early on and mm. I so, had great friends, but well, what what were the, like the changes you kind of noticed in yourself cuz you said in high school maybe there was some uh, you know, your self-esteem wasn't as high. Yeah. And, and then when you started to do your own thing, I guess that probably, and when you got money, you were more independent, mm -hmm. that probably helped. Um, and we can relate this back to health if, if we want to at some point, but like, what were the changes you noticed in yourself? Just that feeling of, okay, I'm really capable of a lot of stuff. That helped my self-esteem a lot. And that's when, like, whenever people ask anybody, about self-esteem and how to like boost your confidence overall as a human being in today's society i just say like work on work on improving yourself in whatever way feels right for you mm. for me that was just working hard i really just enjoyed that and getting better at my craft which at the time was dance so i had that common goal which was also an art form so it was very therapeutic for me mm. so just and of course my academics, like I wasn't a straight A student, but I, I would put a lot of effort into it because I knew, okay, I know what my end goal is. So the more I can do to improve myself and like have self-development and learn, 
the better my self-esteem got and the less mm. I was focused on other people because mm-hmm. I was focused on myself. I'm yeah. not focused on comparing myself or talking down to myself like, oh, I wish I looked like this person. Yes, it's still something that I struggle with. And I think everybody struggles with. But over time, just like with that personal development, mm. that's what really I mean, I wasn't 100 percent like confident. I'm good until maybe 21 but it really significantly improved once I got out of high school. Mm. But you were learning how to like wrangle it in or, or for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a learning curve for sure. But that's those are very formative years for everybody. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I just took that time to work. Mm-hmm. You were on way. the grind. I was working. <laughs> that is one thing that. I'm pretty sure everyone can agree on that knew you at that time. And it's honestly yeah. still it hasn't been like an aspect of yourself that's like gone away. But since True. we did mention it, I do want to touch on how you think mental health affects physical health and vice versa. Oh, boy. If one's off, the other one's off by default. You can't mm. have one without the other. It's like they have to work in synergy. That's why I don't agree with like pushing yourself to the edge uh because that was one thing even though i was working so much and i felt good about that i experienced intense burnout Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the time i started doing that until really late into college when i started to understand like how to balance it wasn't until covid that i really understood what balance looked like because everyone was forced to slow down until that point i would go through periods of insane burnout where I would just go, 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 go until I get sick and I just physically can't do anything mm-hmm. um, or I have absolutely no motivation. The motivation can't even like help. There was no drive to do anything either. For It could take anywhere from a couple weeks to months of mm-hmm. just not wanting to do anything. And that is no way to be productive. That's not productivity. Yeah. If you think you're going to be produ- productive 24-7, it's not going to happen. So that was something I really had to battle with because if you are, like, really strong physically, but, you know, you push yourself too hard to where your mental health starts to falter, your physical health is going to falter as well because we have yeah. to think about stress Stress is a physical thing, but it's also a psychological thing that can turn physical. Mm. So because stress creates inflammation in the body. So if you're stressed about anything, whether it's internal, external, that will manifest into inflammation. Inflammation, especially chronic, chronic inflammation can cause disease and just create that breakdown. Mm. Um, That's why... Like, I know people that will push themselves to the brink, then get, even if it's just a cold or something. Yeah. Your body tells you when it need, when you need to slow down. And I think yeah. I've started to understand what that feels like for me. Mm. And then I know, okay, let's just spend the day watching Netflix and it's fine. <laughs> just maybe a meditation, take a nap. Oh, my God. I thought naps were the worst thing you could do. What? Yeah. Love I would nap. feel bad. For taking naps. I feel feel guilty for watching TV. I would put guilt on myself if I wasn't doing something productive unless it was like sleeping at night. What? So how did you break out of that cycle? Like when when was the moment? I mean, you're kind of talking about it, but like when did you really know like 
this is like good. I deserve this. Yeah, probably, probably a couple years ago. It's gotten even better now. So I'd say like 20, 21 years old. So right in the middle of college, which is also when COVID was right. was happening. Um, because what was there to do? Mm-hmm. All I did when the when COVID was like really in its heightened state for that first year was I stayed at home. I did my online classes. I went to the gym after a few months when gyms started to open back up. Mm-hmm. I went to the grocery store and I watched Survivor and Love Island. <laughs> that is all I did with my life. Love Island is great. Which had its own hurdles. Like I definitely had my breakdown moments of there's nothing fun to do in Gainesville and there's nothing fun to do when everything's closed. So now we're just inside all the time. And I was very upset about that. But it did give me the time and space to like dial back a lot Mm. because I also didn't feel like I was in any sort of rat race with anyone else. Mm -hmm. That was another thing of trying to do things the fastest, which I got into my mind really early on. Like I need to be a millionaire as soon as possible and I need to get out of school as soon as possible. I want to graduate early. I want to do all these things early and it wasn't until like more recently that I'm like, that's not how you live and mm. have sustainability. It's the same reason why intense diets don't work for people. That insane restriction. Is that you can mm. apply that to like pedal to the metal all the time. Go, go, go 24-7. You reach burnout. Your body is not designed to go at that pace all the time. Yeah. And so it will stop you. Mm. And so that's why I apply it to a lot of things. Well, in a way, I'm it's I'm hearing that you shouldn't run your body like a business model. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah. it's like it's it can't be based in constant growth. Like there has to be times of plateau, at least to a degree. Take a rest or, you know, like before yeah. you I mean, obviously improvement is necessary, you know, but it's like if you keep pushing yourself to that degree, it's evidently probably not going to lead you very far. A huge factor that caused my burnout, which I don't talk about too, too often. I do have a video about it on my YouTube channel, but I was in a multi-level marketing company. Um, Some people are very familiar with them. Some people are really not, but it's a type of business model that requires you to sell product, but also buy product and then recruit other people Mm -hmm. to do the same thing as you. People Mm -hmm. call it a legal pyramid scheme. And my parents got me into that really early. Um, They started using... I'm not going to out the name or anything, but they started using certain products that they sold like shakes and cleanses and like a lot of diet supplements. Mm-hmm. And they started doing that when I was 16. And when I was 17, they took me to the first like big, one of the big events for the company. Oh, where I'm, they I'm like, remembering all this right now. This yeah. They put you in a room with <laughs> thousands and thousands of other people in a giant stadium. And it's basically like motivational talk for four days that you have to pay out of pocket for to travel it was in las vegas oh my god that's so and it's like a (laughs) seminar for four days and it's basically meant to like pump you up and kind of low-key brainwash you to keep you going yeah and that being in multi-level marketing especially at a very young age even when like my brain is still developing it gave me that sense of i have to be 
working my business 24 seven. That's the idea that they put on you. There'd be weekly Zoom calls you had to be on with your quote unquote team mm. and then go to these events and cold message people on Instagram, message all your friends, get your friends to do this, do free calls with people and free meetups to try and get them to buy the product and do this with you. And I did that until actually, yeah, until early 2020. January 2020, right before COVID. So I think getting out of that company and that mindset and environment then also was a huge reason why I understand, okay, burnout isn't a normal thing. It's not something to take pride in, which when you're in that kind of environment and learning from people who say you have to do your business 24-7, it's like they were proud of burnout because that just shows that they pushed themselves past the brink of productivity for that's so toxic. So, it was so toxic. <laughs> so when you look at someone like, you know, David Goggins, I think that's his name. Yeah. Who that is. He's I'm someone. So like, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, I know a lot of corporations sometimes will, when you, as you get higher up in the chain, there's this like sense of like, you got to push, you got to push, you got to do mm. your hardest. And like, I know people who are part of a corporation who that's like the whole message. It's like push it till you can't anymore. Or like, I don't even know, but you know, David Goggins is like someone that's been quoted for this corporation that I'm talking about. Okay. And how do you feel about him? Because he, I, I understand the inspirational talk behind it, but it's like kind of reminds me of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of like maybe an unhealthy way to think about fitness and exercise, which is like push yourself until you can't anymore and like just do it because you have to i don't know how to explain it yeah well considering i have read his book the first book can't hurt me twice and i'm going to listen to his next one that literally just came out two days ago on my ride home tomorrow i can say that when i approach books like that that are very much to like you know, they're motivational books. They're like, quote unquote, self-help books and things like that. I take what I like and leave what I don't like. Hmm. And then I apply what I like to my life or say, oh, that's a really good idea. And for the things that I don't like so much, I, I push it away. For his first book, I think that him, his example, first of all, his story is incredible. Like sure. just his childhood, his upbringing, and how that shaped him into who he is today. I think that is just amazing what he was able to do with his life after being dealt really crappy cards. Um, but as far as how he approaches exercise, I think in his book, he does say, you know, you are expected to break your body. I don't want you to break your body like I did. That's at least how I interpreted it in that aspect. So mm. I don't think that it's good or healthy. I do not agree with the way he lost weight in that book. I know he needed to lose a very significant amount of weight in a very short amount of time to qualify for the Navy. But that part I didn't agree with. But that's just the dietitian in me. And I understand when the stakes are that high and you have an end goal, you will right. be willing to do whatever it takes to reach that goal. I can say that I did as well. Like studying full time for six weeks isn't fun. 
but I had to continue to tell myself, why am I really doing this? What do I want to see out of this? Mm. I'm not just studying to study. Because some of the stuff I had to study was stuff I knew I wouldn't freaking end up using anyways. It's crazy. But yeah, I, I think he can be used as inspiration and motivation for people, but he shouldn't be like the sole example of, oh my gosh, you have to do 5,000 pull-ups and like be all these world records to be notable and to be successful. Right. And for the record, I'm not, you know, discrediting David. He's obviously one of the greatest like fitness people ever, athletes. But, you know, you have such a good perspective on that. It's like, and it's literally just what you're, just balance. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, even though he's pushing himself to the max, you know, you can use that as an inspiration for whatever works for you. Like, it's um, like you can use his story as an example. Mm-hmm. It got me through some hard times, that's for sure. It got my dad through some hard times, too. I found another book called Becoming Bulletproof by Evie Pomperis. Also, like, really good. She was a Secret Service agent, and she had worked, like, for so many U.S. presidents And that, like, from her perspective, like, growth and challenge and having a hard life and overcoming challenges, that book is really great, too. But particularly that David Goggins book, I would listen to it in my earbuds on my bike ride to the university over the summer, summer of 2019, one of the worst summers of my life. I was Mm. taking organic chemistry one and two and lab at the same, like, oh, everything God. in a summer. Three-month period, <laughs> super accelerated course. It's terrible. Based on your reactions, I'm assuming we didn't talk about this last year. But, I remember it. <laughs> so I, I went against my director's advice on taking organic chemistry because it's a very, ex- it's very intense. It's a very intense course. A lot of people fail it. It's a weed-out class. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about taking or go one summer A or go two summer B and the lab extends for the whole three-month period. So I'm in lab the whole time. She said, basically, it can be done, but it's I don't agree with doing it. I did it anyway, of course. And I bought a bike so that I didn't have to take the bus every day. But the problem is in Gainesville, uh, with no air circulation in the summer, it gets to be like 90, 95 degrees. So I would like... I would bike to the gym on occasion, then go home, then bike to class. And I would listen to his audiobook just on my bike rides to like pump me up and be like, okay, I can do this. And I'm so shocked that I did that to this day because it's literally psychotic. The adding the bike ride to that in the like intense heat just to get to my organic chemistry class have a little bit of a break, then bike to my orgo lab, and then after that, get out, and it's like torrential downpour. Because <laughs> Gainesville, the weather in the summer, it's super hot and humid all day until like 4 or 5 o'clock, and then it's downpour the rest of the night until the next morning. Mm, and wow. so every day, it was so frustrating because the weather was so terrible. I decided to ride a bike. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was Because you got to push yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. But it, it did get me through that time in a sense. And I'm glad that I did it because that's just another thing in my like back pocket. In his book, he says like it's a cookie in the cookie jar of like things that you know you've done in the past. So when another obstacle comes your way, you're able to overcome it mm. and not 
breakdown from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I I attest to that because I've been through some shit. Mm. To put it plainly, in the past couple of years, so yeah, that's a good thing to remember because, like, sometimes, you know, you can get worried about something, but and forget that you've done other things, like you've gone through things, especially mm-hmm. as you get older. Like, yeah, you know. And even though we we've just been talking about you know Mr. Goggins here for a few <laughs> minutes, I want to talk about how you serve as motivation and inspiration for people. Oh, wow. Because that's a well, that it, yeah. it's a huge part of your business. I mean, that's like you literally make a living off of improving people's lives physically and mentally. Yeah. So I would love to. I mean, we only have a few more minutes left in this first half, but um, we can talk about it more in the second half too if we don't, you know, tie it up in a nice bow here. But go ahead. Man, I love it. I my end goal was to change people's lives, and now like having sit down conversations with all of my clients weeks on end, sometimes even months. It's just so nice. I will get off a call with a client every single time. I'm like, I'm so good at my job. <laughs> nice. I'm like, I wish I could record this so that other people could use it. Obviously because of HIPAA, uh, that's not good. Right. I can't record my clients' private conversations. But mm-hmm. from my, my perspective, it's like, wow, I can't believe... At 22, I have these counseling skills and the knowledge to push people forward and get them the help them get the results they want. I don't want to take full credit because it's obviously like so much on the client to get their stuff done outside of our calls because we'll only talk maybe 30 minutes every week or every other week even. So I'm just there to just nudge them along and give them the resources and the knowledge that they need to continue to succeed. So that's my... My goal with every client is not to make them reliant on me or feel like if they don't work with me long term, they can't succeed. If I only have two sessions with somebody and they're like, I'm good. I'm so happy with that. I'm totally fine. I just had a client last week. We got on the call and we didn't even use up all 30 minutes because she was like, everything's great. Everything that we've done so far, perfect. I am on such a good track. Every goal that I had the first call, we've covered it. Let's just keep in touch and see what happens. I'm like, heck yeah. I basically graduated her. And that's (laughs) happened a few times now. But every time it happens, I'm just like astonished. Because I know like that's why it solidifies like this is what I'm meant to do in my life. Because Mm. I'm so good at it. And I can be cocky about it. (laughs) Because I have an in-person personal training client right now. And I get done with her. And I'm just like, I should... I should be doing this full time. I should just do personal training, but I also love nutrition. So it, it's, it lights up my life. It's definitely mm-hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. Well, I feel like you, I don't feel like anybody can run a business without being confident in themselves. Yeah. It's, it's like a required aspect, you know, Heck it's, yeah. it's like one of like the required materials you need to hand in <laughs> like <laughs> ultimate sure. confidence, you know, because it's. It's risky. It's very vulnerable. I mean, you're literally going out on your own to do this thing. And the fact that you feel fulfilled while also, of course, making the money that comes from it and helping other people. But you're feeling fulfilled. And it's like I feel like people can go many years striving for that. So I'm happy for you. Thank you. A lot of dietitians, you know, will start working in the hospital or start working for someone else. And then years down the road be like, I really want to do my own thing and start my private practice. Mm. And they're very hesitant and scared because maybe the environment that they're in doesn't foster that confidence for them. I know when I worked in the hospital, 
I was bottom of the food chain. Everybody looked at me like, who are you? And dietitians get kind of pushed around in the hospital setting, at least from what I have seen in a lot of settings. Mm. So because sometimes people just don't understand how valuable they are to a patient and their care. And they're just like, oh, they're the person that gives them insure. It's just because <laughs> that can be a bulk of their job. But it, I wish that more dietitians were like in the private practice setting. And I think that we're getting to a point where that is happening because it is so much more, at least for me. I know a lot of dietitians that love to be in the hospital, but if you really want like that true confidence to stand on your own two feet, sometimes it's just that, okay, I know what I'm talking about. Let me go out and do it. And just that alone can work wonders for someone and their success in their business. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. I love it. I know we need to take a break. I'm like, okay, no, we're 32 minutes. We're perfect. We're going to go ahead and take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron Bachman, Marissa Arnone, Mimi Schultz, Dan Winstrup, Corbin Gulo, and Christina Shan for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show couldn't be possible without listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about Active Hope. Now, back to the episode. And we are back. So, we might have talked about this the first time that you came on, but... I still want to talk about it. I want to know what your faith is. I want to know if anything's changed in your relationship with it and all that fun stuff. I think it is still the same. I still am very much a Jesus lover. I am a Christian. I definitely do not go to church anywhere near as often as I used to. But I I still, well, that's a very, that's a heavy topic because I don't, pull everything that the church, especially Baptists, uh, have to say about certain things. Mm-hmm. That's why I've just kind of stepped away from that sector and just, I do my own thing. Yeah. And I'm happy with it. That's and cool. I pray every night and I do all that stuff, but yeah. I feel like that's what really matters. You have your own relationship, so that's what's good. Yeah, exactly. You're a true Protestant. I guess so. Honestly. <laughs> well, in that case, I want to know, because you mentioned before when we were talking about Mr. Goggins, um, that with his book, you take certain things and you leave other things you don't really agree with. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this might be a similar situation in, in this case, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the things you've taken? Um, just the leading with kindness, just general morality, mm-hmm. I guess. I just... I like to lead an upstanding life and but at the same time I don't let it make me judgmental mm-hmm. or look down on other people which I think has happened a lot. I will meet judgy Christians and be like, mm, "This is why people don't like us." Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was about to ask that question because I like to ask Christians about that aspect because it gets a bad rap. Let's just be honest. Christianity totally. gets a bad rap today. Yeah. It does, but I used to be super judgmental, which was a kind of a, in part due to the multi-level marketing company mm. that I was in. It comes back to that too. They would make it seem like if you were overweight, you were doing something wrong. 
and I've completely shifted all the it's totally a 180 now I have to lead with that because it was very toxic the Mm. way that they viewed people like my gosh, if you see someone in the gym and they're overweight, you should try and get them on these products so that they can lose weight and they can, Whoa. because it's like making oh, skinny is better. And I hate that about diet culture in general today because it's not, that's not the way things should be at all. Mm-hmm. And I also, my mother is a very judgmental person, so it rubbed off on me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so once that relationship, like I kind of stepped away from that that also helped and yeah it wasn't until I got out of that MLM and I started even looking at like anti-MLM content and just doing some like soul searching that's a 180 yeah I started (laughs) to understand like I I can say now with confidence that I'm not a judgmental person anymore but it was a it took a long time to break and I felt really bad about like relationships that I had with my friends too I I remember having one friend in college who told me straight up that she thought I was very judgmental towards her because I wanted her to get on the energy supplements that I was selling. So by doing that, I would say like, oh, wow, you really drink coffee like every single day or multiple times a day. Like I was very much that way. Yeah. Putting people down for really stupid stuff that everybody does. And it's like, I, that's why I, whenever I think of myself back then even like at the start of college I don't they're separate they're separate people like me now versus me in high school and college like 18 19 I am such a different person from that that I don't feel like we're the same at all mm-hmm. it just feels like I'm talking about someone else mm-hmm. in, in a way uh, because so much of my perspective on on other people has changed and for the better, it Yeah, that like, also yeah. comes with life experience. Like, I was super yeah. naive, and I was super yeah. sheltered and spoiled in a way for a lot of my life, which I think we talked about, too. Like, all the vacations, that doesn't really, really help. But, <laughs> yeah, that's what I... One thing I don't like about, like, today's Christianity, in a way. Your level of self-awareness is awesome. Have you maybe tried to make amends with anybody or do you feel a need to or I never left relationships on a bad note there were only a couple in high school that you know we truly had like a breakup moment almost Mm -hmm. with some close friends but other than that like the girl that I uh had that like with the coffee thing like we're still super close um so it's just, I think people have seen me grow, hopefully. And that's why I still am able to, like, Caleb and I have been friends since seventh grade. But we, like, kind of didn't, <laughs> we really didn't talk that much in high school. Because you were doing your own thing a little bit. You were having your own transformative moments. and like, being Just a like you said, rat. different person. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of parted ways for a little bit. And then we kindled <laughs> our friendship in college. And we both have, had grown a little bit. So... I, I love keeping connection with people throughout mm. my life. I still, I go see friends that I had in Connecticut when I was in elementary school and I still go see them uh, mm. when I go up there. Like I do still maintain those friendships, but I think my, my character has changed drastically over the past mm. few years. So mm. I do, yeah, whoever's still in my life now, 
meant to be there. Because, mm. yeah, I've gone, I've gone through a lot, especially like, <laughs> I don't, this is something that still like to this day makes me so upset was I was in, I think like third grade and I had a quote unquote best friend back then, two best friends. And one time these boys were making fun of me and calling me fat, which I wasn't, I was very much a twig, but that's besides the point. I said, really like, look at me and then look at her to my best friend who wasn't fat, (laughs) but I was so skinny that I didn't have like a perception of like normal bodies. Mm -hmm. And I really like still this day, of course we made amends and like, I apologize. Cause I literally forgot that I even said that until I had a sit down conversation with her and our moms. And we had like a therapy session. And I, I sort of was like, Oh my gosh, I actually said that I couldn't, I blocked it out after I did. Maybe I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. Again, third grade me is hard to compare, but... Yeah, you're still a kid. I was still, like, I was so confused as to why I even had that thought in my head because I was never, like, an angry or hateful child. And then it took, like, years for me to understand that some of the role models, specifically my mom, um, was very fatphobic. And as a result you know the way that she viewed people it rubbed up rubbed off on me and that's why like I say you know upbringing it's a lot of the stuff that you learn and the opinions you have are a direct reflection of your parents and Mm -hmm. what they say Mm -hmm. because that was totally true it didn't that didn't change until after like obviously once I got to high school like I started to understand like meet new people know that there are different body sizes and doesn't mean someone's Mm. unhealthy doesn't even mean someone's overweight like what's our true standard of overweight it's bmi and it's bs yeah it is (laughs) the bmi system (laughs) ideal body weight system is such bs and i can't stand it but i was like still still i think about that and i'm so upset that that happened And I wanted to know why I was that way. And then I finally understood, like, it's role models in a, in a way that I shouldn't have had or influence from certain people in my life that shouldn't. I mm. wish I didn't have mm-hmm. that aspect, but it happens. So. And, you know, but at the same time, you learn from it. So yeah, that's for sure. it's it's there's there's positive things to glean from it at the same time. But um, I do want to know. Like in this scenario, because you've mentioned, you know, it's like BMI is BS. And mm-hmm. it, it it's so interesting to think about, like, is there any ideal body weight? And like, <laughs> like what what is what does that mean? I mean, uh, Julia and I were just talking recently about how, you know, like because I just because you as time goes on, people change and like and you see it reflected on Instagram, like how people look and stuff. And it's like, wow, this person looks really good and maybe their weight has changed drastically both maybe losing it or gaining it and it's Mm -hmm. like people can look really good in both scenarios and it's really weird to think about it's like wait so i'm not supposed to think that that looks good even though they look good in that way but at the same time it's also balancing health so i feel like now there's 
I, I, I want to know how you're supposed to, or how you think we can go about gauging what is like a healthy lifestyle, you know? Because yeah. there's so many factors that go into it. And if BMI is BS, what do you follow, you know? Right. That's why with everybody I work with, it's always an individualized approach. I figure out what the puzzle pieces are. If they're coming to me with uh, already any conditions, medical, like any illnesses, I try and figure out what the puzzle pieces are, if they have a nutrition diagnosis and what we can do for that. Or maybe they just come to me and they want to lose body fat and gain muscle. Mm -hmm. There are really simple ways, at least simple to me as a health professional, to do those things and help them achieve those things without making it unhealthy um, and doing things in a way that fits with their lifestyle. Mm It's that's why I hate seeing generalized nutrition like misinformation online yeah. because someone can say one thing and that it's bad and you should avoid it, but it can be totally fine for someone else. An example of that would be any type of food someone brings up on the internet and says it's going to cause cancer or something. Um or that it inflames your gut. Mm. and But that could just be if someone has a sensitivity or an allergy to that food. That doesn't mean that everybody on the planet should avoid that food. Mm, allergy. I would love to talk about an allergy that you discovered after this. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's, I specialize specifically in women's health, but even more specifically in gut and hormone health for women. And that is still something I am very much learning because in my traditional education, I didn't learn too, too much about those topics. So I have to do some, I'm right now taking a course called Integrative and Functional Nutrition to become a certified practitioner in that area. So it's more holistic. Hmm. And I am doing this because I had my own issues myself. Obviously, I ended up with some pretty bad gut problems when I got on birth control, I didn't really notice it too much. I had it. I believe I had it when I was growing up, but I didn't notice it too much. It didn't get really bad until after I started taking birth control. Hmm. And when that happened, I thought it was normal. I would, would just go about my days and not really notice until I started like my dietetic internship and working full time and noticed that my symptoms weren't normal because they were actually affecting my productivity and me doing my job, like really simple tasks I couldn't do because I was running to the bathroom every 30 minutes or an hour. Mm. And that's when I decided to do a food journal. I actually have a 30 day food journal on my website. That is the exact food journal template that I made for myself so I could track what I was eating at what times of days and my symptoms. So mm. someone doesn't have to make their own. I already have one. If someone has like a, if they're suspecting that they have a food sensitivity. Hmm. Because I did. I found out two weeks into tracking that I had a soy sensitivity. It's not, it's an allergy. Like I can confidently call it an allergy because of the, the immune response that my body has. But I just dumb it down, like say it's a sensitivity. But when I go to restaurants, I say it's an allergy because they don't take sensitivity seriously. I had to learn that the hard way. And so, yeah, I have a soy sensitivity and I didn't know that until mm. very recently. It's been a year. I've been soy free 
as much as possible for the past year. Mm. And I'm assuming it has helped a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was bloated every day, like every single day of my life up until that point um, since the birth control. So like two years, (laughs) bloated every day, going to the bathroom, like number two, eight to 12 times a day. It was really bad. Really bad. And it just felt like my intestines were on fire. I was explaining it to Jill earlier today because not a lot of people really understand what that feels like because I didn't either. I thought it was normal. Well, it's bloating. It's the loose stools and going super often. But it's also really intense fatigue because your body is working overtime to process and get that food out of your system. So it's pulling all of the blood to stomach and intestines so it can do its job. So when what I'm experiencing on the outside is kind of like this throbbing of a heartbeat in my like lower, like right below my belly button. Because all the blood is there? Yeah. I can feel it working and it's a very weird (sighs) sensation. And that's always, are you getting squeamish? No. (laughs) I'm imagining, no, I'm not squeamish, but I'm just imagining the feeling. It's like weird. It's like this pulse where it shouldn't be. And this, it's like a heat. It's like you're on fire. (laughs) Oh my God. That lasts. And because of that, I get tired. And it's not just tired, like I need, it's fatigue, like I need to go lay down, I need to take a nap, I can't do anything the rest of the day. Mm. So Mm. I noticed once I cut out soy that that completely went away. But when I accidentally have it, I know right away, within 30 minutes of whatever I eat, because I get those symptoms again, I'm like, wow, I really can't believe I lived like that for two years. And that's the problem today is people think that that's normal. People think that constant bloating is normal. When it very much isn't. And a lot of the time, you might have a sensitivity and not know it. Mm. So is bloating not... Because, you know, I'm going to sound like a noob right now. From what I've read on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> bloating does... Doesn't it happen every time you eat anything? And when I say bloating, I don't mean like that necessarily. Because mm-hmm. obviously, I'm not, I'm not getting that feeling. But, you know, when I eat a hefty meal, there's a little bit of bloating afterward. So that's where people get tripped up is the difference between bloating and just like regular stomach expansion. Uh Like your stomach's expanding after you you eat a heavy meal. Okay. And bloating is a very different sensation. Oftentimes it feels like gas, like there's a bubble in your stomach and it's hard. It's like a... It's literally firm to the touch. Right. Almost like you're pregnant. <laughs> and Whoa. so that's the the sensation. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Whereas if you just ate a heavy meal and you're full, but you're satisfied and you feel good, that's a totally different phenomenon. So people get bloating and just your stomach expanding after a big meal mixed up and say, oh, bloating is normal. No, it's not. Your stomach expanding and you like... Obviously not having like a completely flat stomach after your meal, that's normal. Mm. Um, but but when bloating it, very much isn't. When it, because sometimes like I'll just out myself here. Sometimes <laughs> it literally will blow up. Sometimes after I eat something, and it's literally like that, a little bit, and I'm like, that is Christ, I'm so bloating. bloating. <laughs> that is bloating. Like if it's uncomfortable, it's bloating. Yeah. Most of the time. and it doesn't hurt though. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. But it's still. But what you're saying is. If that happens consistently, 
Yeah. You should look into what you're eating. Yes. So the bloat that you're describing, like where it's just really expanded but not uncomfortable, that could just be a result of... Gas. Yeah, but you eating a really heavy meal, especially if there's a lot of sodium or carbohydrates that pull water into the intestines. So you're just getting a lot of water retention there. Uh, So that could be... Gotcha. And that's fine. That happens to everybody every once in a while. Cool. Yeah. But that's very different from the like bloating day to day that is so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that you feel like you're carrying a baby around. At least I haven't carried a child yet, but (laughs) I assumed... That that's kind of what it felt like. It was not fun. (laughs) So, yeah, I rarely get bloated now. Mm. It's a very rare occasion. And if it is, it's just like what you said, like eating a really heavy meal, maybe extra carbs, extra sodium, and just a little bit of water retention making me feel, quote unquote, like heavier in a Mm. way. But uh, it's, it's two very different things, so... I'm learning a lot so far, so this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and I, before we wrap up, because we are getting toward the end, but before we wrap up, I want to ask, um, and this can, doesn't have to be a long answer. It can be whatever you want it to be, but I want to know how your relationship has changed with social media because I know social media plays a huge part in your business <laughs> and how you literally influence people, how you can serve as a person who motivates and you know who serves as inspiration. So I want to know how your relationship has changed, if it has, what it's like. All that fun stuff. Yeah. Back when I started intentionally posting on social media to grow an audience, that was on TikTok, and I was posting like four to six times a day because that was the only way to really grow an audience on there. Whoa. And now, fast forward to today. You said four to six, right? Four to six. Okay. Not totally 46. heard 46. <laughs> okay. Good, like, good oh my God. for clarifying. <laughs> but I still remain consistent like a week doesn't go by where i'm not posting but it's way less i let the reins go a little bit on tiktok primarily started focusing on other ones like instagram because instagram reels looked very beneficial so i just kind of dabble in whatever i think works for me but i definitely There's a boundary there that wasn't there before because I notice I am more stressed out. My brain is going a million miles a minute if there's a day where I'm on social media a lot. I've actually been seeing a breathwork instructor recently. We kind of trade off services a little bit. Like I'll give her a workout and she'll like give me 60 minutes of breathwork just so I can get a sense, because I do want to partner with her in the future, I want to get a sense of like how she works and how it could integrate into what I do. Mm. And that's a conversation I've had with her a lot is when I'm on social media too much, I breathe very shallow and fast paced. That's not at all how you should be breathing properly. That means you're in fight or flight. And I think that so happens. Anxious. Yeah, super anxious. And a lot of people are in fight or flight all day every day and don't know it and that's actually something that causes gut dysfunction too so there's a whole like like rabbit hole you can go down with all of that i won't get that deep into it today but overall social media definitely is not the best for my mental health so i've taken breaks and like stepped aside and focused more on getting out into my community, actually going and going to networking groups, going and 
checking out small businesses and just meeting people in my area because my licensure only goes so far. I'm only licensed in Florida and Ohio, and there's certain states I can practice what I do in, but there's other states that I would have to pay licensure for. Like I got licensure in Ohio and it cost me $300 and took two months. I don't Mm. want to do that for every state. I would rather focus on who I can help in my immediate area. Yeah, yes. Um, It's more financial, it's smarter financially, Mm -hmm. to be honest. So I'm very content with where my social media is at. I'm not actively trying to like, get a million followers anymore that is fine i just i need that human connection especially after covid i love getting in front of people and like having belly to belly conversations that we didn't get to have yes i do telehealth so ironically enough i see all my clients on video call but outside of that i don't want to spend every single day in my apartment grinding out videos like i used to yeah it's just it doesn't fit with my lifestyle anymore and it doesn't fit with my goals I want to get out in the community. I want to do community events. I love, love, love nutrition education and public speaking. Clearly. That's why I'm on this (laughs) podcast for a second time in a year. Uh, One of my favorite things I did during my internship was, it was my community nutrition rotation. So out in, in the community. I was working at a hospital in their cardiopulmonary rehabilitation center. So basically what that means is people who had had like a cardiac event, like a heart attack and survived and anyone with respiratory issues or like COPD, any type of anything to do with the heart or the lungs, they go to rehab and there would be exercise machines in there and they they go and take classes to get their heart rates going. It's just slow, steady exercise for a given amount of time and they have to come in and do that Hmm. uh, to literally rehabilitation. So what I would do is I would create nutrition PowerPoints on a specific topic. Like the first one I ever did was all on avocado, like how to prepare, how to store it, how to use it, how to cook (laughs) with it, all of the things. And I get up in front of them and I just talk to them about the the topic. Mm -hmm. Then they ask me questions. And it's great. And it was awesome because my preceptor, who is the dietitian that I was under, would just let me do my thing. And he would just sit back. He knew I could handle it. So I would get up there every week with a new topic. And I loved doing that. Like that was one of the highlights of my internship. So I know that I get the most energy and feel the most fulfilled when I'm like, especially in a group of people and talking about something that I'm super passionate about. Mm. Yeah. I am so glad that you have decided to like focus more on your community and people who are actually around you because I feel like there are a lot of people in the world who say they want to make a difference and the first thing they're going to do is move someplace else and do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) And it's like there's a lot of difference that can be made in the place that we're already at. So I love that you're doing that, you know, and that's awesome. Um, So now that we're wrapping up here, here come the final questions. You're a little familiar with them. Yeah. You know, so you kind of cheated, but whatever. Um, what brings you hope in the world? You know what? I actually did not prepare for this question again. Oh, cool. Because I okay. was like thinking Thank about you. it on the, on the drive here. I was like, huh. And then I my mind just started trailing off somewhere else. But it wasn't on the topic. So what gives me hope is just connecting with people now and finding like just common ground talking Mm. to people, finding things that you have in common with them and really connecting with people in a way that we really couldn't do as much a couple years ago. 
mm. and having that independence to to go out and do those things for myself mm. and just I'm like so happy. I'm so content with where I am in life now. And I know that I wouldn't be here without the grind that happened. I obviously burnout sucked, but I think all of the work that I did, especially with my internship and my schooling to reach this end goal, I'm literally exactly where I wanted to be at this age doing what I'm doing. And it's just so crazy for all that to come to fruition and be able to like come and see you and you for a week and yeah. just be like, I'm going to pack up my stuff and go to Tallahassee yeah. and do whatever I want. And then I'll schedule my clients outside of that. So I'm still earning an income and still being able to do that. But really like getting to talk to people. That's what brings me hope. I love talking to people. Yeah. Oh, hard work pays off. That's Heck awesome. Yeah. So what do you do to bring hope into the world? One year later, however long it's been. Yeah. I still just love helping people as much as I can, even if it's little stuff and it's not even nutrition related. Yeah. Um, I, I really try my best to be there for people mm. when they need it. I am notorious for like getting in my head and like putting my head down and not talking to people. If I'm like really in a zone, I'm really trying to get something done, but I want to like step out of that more. Mm. And so just... Whatever it is, being there for somebody in any type of way, I do like to do that. And I think that hopefully brings hope. I think it does. Yeah. And cool. I think you're a good listener. I, I think you are. You know, I, and we've been friends for a long time. So. I wasn't always a good listener. It, no, oh, was, you weren't. But. I was not. <laughs> but but I you've think improved. <laughs> you have to. You have yeah. to. I literally went... One of my classes at UF was nutrition counseling. Like you learn how to counsel. And by doing that, in that course, they tell you how to talk so much less and just ask those really important open-ended questions to people mm. instead of like taking up, which is so ironic because I talked 95% of the time today, which is okay. But compared to last time, Ted and I have learned. We've learned. <laughs> We've learned to ask the open-ended questions <laughs> and not talk. Very open-ended. Yes. I have gone through the same experience. And I'm glad I have because, gosh, could I talk before about nonsense. But now I do think I am a good listener. So for those who are listening and might not know you, where can they find your stuff? Definitely, I'm still on social media. That's not going to change. Uh, I do like providing value on there. So you can find me on my Instagram. It's just marissa.arnone. And my TikTok is still marissacpt. I didn't end up changing it because that's too much work. Same with my Instagram. My YouTube, I really wish I was a YouTuber. If I could do something else too, I would love to like do YouTube full time. But that's a whole nother ball game. But I do post videos on there occasionally. Same first and last name. You should be able to find me on there. Okay, yeah. sweet. Thanks again of for course. coming on again. Yes. This was first great. I'm Parker. looking yeah. forward to part three. <laughs> <laughs> One year from now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for those of you listening, that was Marissa Arnone for the second time. And hopefully you found some hope today. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We hope today's episode made you feel a little more hopeful or changed your perspective in some way. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Only Constant Podcast. Or check us out at OnlyConstantPodcast.com. 
If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating or review for the show helps us immensely, and we'd appreciate the feedback. None of this would be possible without you, the listener. Thanks for all the support, and we'll see you next time. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening.